We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What was that most important word this week? Resilient. 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 And if you want to be a resilient group, who do you need? Everybody. So we need Miles Garrett, too. Good call. So what I saw today, what I saw this week, I'll be honest, I saw this all week, was guys leaning on each other. We need each other, okay? In this season, it's hard. We need each other. And that's what I saw all week from this group, okay? And then what I saw on the field from that group, okay, how about this one? Two for two, Dustin, including a 52-yarder. Okay. On offense, how about that quarterback? Okay, Q. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Q. I think it. 27 of 33. Mm. 289, two mm. times. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 seven. Seven for 116. Yeah. A touchdown. And three penalties drawn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep having fun and let's keep winning. Oh, yeah. Okay, first of all, let's talk about the defense. Six first downs. Okay. 94 total yards. Two for 12 on third down. Oh, my God. 26 rushing eight. Oh! Five sacks. Five sacks, including three and a half from number 95. Okay, talking about being a resilient bunch, okay? We need each other. The guy that we don't have here right this minute with us, but he's always with us, is number 24. Yes, sir. He's getting this game ball, okay? Because he's so important to this team. This offense, this defense, this special teams. This team, number 24, means so much to us. I'm going to hand him this ball, okay? And he's with us the rest of the way. I appreciate you guys. Take care of each other. Team on three. One, two, three. Man, I look forward to nothing more than sharing those post-game Stefanski in the locker room speeches with you guys. And that one is obviously courtesy of the Browns YouTube. We have some exciting new intro clips courtesy of obviously CBS who covered the game. It was a lot of fun. We got a great set of things happening in this podcast where I'm going to do a quick introduction to the pod with you guys. Then I take you over to the post-game show that we did on the OBR Twitch and YouTube, which is myself and Andrew Spade and uh, Brad Ward for a bit as well. And then finally, at the very end, we're going to introduce something that my wife has been asking uh, to do for a while, which is judge the Browns' arrival fashion. So it's going to be called Monday Fit Check. As long as they win, any win, we get a Monday Fit Check. It'll be fun. 
Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, it's at the very end of the podcast, or perhaps you can enjoy it with somebody else who enjoys some fashion. So it's a lot of great stuff today on the OBR Film Breakdown. Stick around and enjoy. Let's get to it right now. Play action for Watson. Oh going to take a shot. Cooper wide open. Touchdown. Watson to Cooper for the knockout strike. On third and ten, Garrett burying Tannehill. Watson on first down, throwing towards the end zone. Wide open. Ford for the touchdown. All right, guys, welcome in. It's your Monday victory edition of the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. You know I love doing these. It's the highlight of the weekend when the Browns get a win. Listen, if you're an Ohio State fan, maybe some of you are Notre Dame people. Some of you have no care in the world about college football. When you get an Ohio State big win for a large majority of the listeners to this show, on top of a Browns win, pretty good football weekend. Your Cleveland Browns take care of business 27-3 to in a pretty dominating fashion, guys. I want to go through the statistics with you to start and then talk through a couple other little minor things and then we'll launch over into the postgame show, which I think has some other good insights. You know... Uh, if you're a listener to this podcast, that I will check back in and do the uh, comprehensive All-22 breakdown, which gives you an idea on both sides of the football, what the Browns did, how they did it, and how they hurt the Titans in general, right? Before that, I will today explain the article I wrote, which is really fun. But as far as statistics go, super tilted in the Browns' favor. Obviously, the score tells us that. First downs in this one, Tennessee 6 to Cleveland's 23. That's a whopping difference, right? Third downs, 2 for 12 for Tennessee, 6 for 13 for Cleveland, including some penalties that extended some of those drives as well to help, such as pass interference, defensive holding. Total net yards, here's where it's jarring, 341 to 94. Browns ran 22 more plays, 67 to 45, had a 5.1 play average to the 2.1 for Tennessee. Rushing net was 26 for Tennessee, which is, again, Derrick Henry, Ty J. Spears, uh, a pretty good duo, bottled up really well. The Browns run for 78 against a very formidable front. Passing net was 68 for Tennessee, 263 for Cleveland. Eight Tennessee penalties, only five for the Browns. The Browns did have that one turnover, and this is the second time the Browns did this with the Bengals in the first, uh, you know, obviously week one, first game, where they dominate them. And yet they don't get, you know, they don't even get a single turnover, which is kind of crazy to think the amount of domination you have to have to not get a single turnover uh, to make that happen. It's it's wild. They did have one chance on the on the first of Miles Garrett's three and a half sacks, where that football maybe seemed like those on the field it had been thrown, but it was actually knocked out by Miles. So that's that's always fun, right? You had a chance, didn't get it. But other than that, like there's not even time for. Uh, you, there was a couple throws that Tannehill threw that could have, I guess had a chance to be a ball, a playmate on the ball, but I don't even think there's much opportunity because of how quickly they're getting home, and then it's just about creating a fumble, right? So uh, this is as, as dominating a defense right now through three weeks as you're going to find. Uh, I think we're going to talk about it in the postgame show among the best in NFL history for, through three games in yardage allowed have only let the Titans cross the 30-yard line of the three games they've played in their own 30-yard line. Right. And even when they did in this game, they created pressure to get out of that scenario at the very end. It's pretty wild stuff across the board. In this one, uh, we'll talk both sides of the football. The Browns just had a sort of mixed bag rushing approach. That, and I like this committee usage where Jerome Ford gets 10 carries, only 18 yards. He ran up against a pretty stiff 
uh, set of, of Tennessee defense early on. Pierre Strong, 6 for 27, liked his reps. He runs for 4.5 a, a carry. Watson gets 4 carries for 16. Kareem Hunt, 5 for 13. It doesn't look pretty. And now they're running Harrison Bryant in for quarterback sneaks, which I find that to be very interesting. And then at the end, Watson's like, all right, I'm just going to do it myself. I, I, that was very interesting, right? But nonetheless, it was uh, it worked. I don't know. It was fine. Got got three first downs on those carries, which is what you're looking for in those short yardage moments. We'll see what they end up going to in the future with that. I, I never love a non-quarterback taking a snap under center uh, as frequently as we saw, but it, it worked out just fine. Like we said, uh, Bryant, two carries, four yards. Um, Goodwin had a reverse for one yard. Uh, Elijah Moore had three for negative one. I, I appreciate Stefanski's willingness off the bat to go after some some chunk plays, some creativity. Yeah, they didn't work the way you wanted them to work, but I thought the the creativity and trying to make the offense fun. I talk about it in the post game show is something they're chasing. They're watching the defense play an infectious brand of football where they're having a blast. They're trying to get there too. Now, as you'll see here, and as you saw in the game, organically those things came to fruition. Right, this uh, those chunk plays happened, the explosives happened, but I understand chasing them initially. It's something you want, and I, I didn't mind that first drive. Watson goes twenty-seven of thirty-three, two eighty-nine, two touchdowns. Thought he played a pretty good game. BB plus. We'll look through some things that happened, decisions he made. There's the backward pass that stands out, and I think there was a, a couple balls that I think he'd like to have thrown a little bit more accurately. But for the most part, man, I thought he was fine. He got out of some chaotic situations. And he navigated them in an above average to good way in this game. And that's what they need from him, the way the defense is playing. Amari Cooper, as dominant a game as I've seen from a Browns receiver in a long time. Eight targets, seven catches, 116 yards, a touchdown. Should have had about 40 more yards if the ref didn't blow one of the more obvious. It shouldn't have been called. He calls him out of bounds on the sidelines. Terrible. The Browns only got three out of that possession, which is what's so infuriating because he scores a touchdown. Even after the game, Cooper talked about that play saying, yeah, I definitely got robbed of a touchdown because of safety. He was cooked. It was over with. I was going to make a move on him and score 100%. I didn't step out of bounds. I knew I didn't step out of bounds. I'm not sure why they called me out. Then he was asked if the ref acknowledged the mistake later on after seeing the replay, and he responded, yeah, I heard the ref apologize. So he liked getting in the end zone, obviously, but was really frustrated leaving those yards on the field. And the offense, too, not being able to finish that drive. But then drawing three more flags for first downs on third downs later in the game like I just that's jarring to me how effective he was and he caught some tough throws in traffic too so you know Amari Cooper deserves a a massive head nod for how well he uh, performed in this game especially in in some tight situations that catch the one I just referenced on the left sideline was really phenomenal I mean like late hands just kind of flashing late so that the DB doesn't play through the hand pocket and all of that stuff just it's teach tape with Amari Cooper he's such a grinder and really the quintessential you know, teammate to what Nick Chubb as a running back is, uh, I think Nick's a bit more naturally gifted than Amari, but Amari is he's so good at the nuances of playing wide receiver, and he'll have these games like this one where he is he's so gifted, and the Browns have been leaning on him early in the year, and obviously Watson likes to feed him the football. Actually, the eight targets from Cooper, not as many as Elijah Moore, who goes for nine targets, 49 yards. I thought he played pretty well. He had the fumble, which you cannot let happen. They used him in a bunch of different ways. I thought he created some separation. I would love the broken tackle element for some yards after catch to tick up a little bit, but I thought Moore was fine and played a pretty good football game overall. Donovan Peoples-Jones finally gets in the act. The punt return stuff wasn't great two weeks in a row of that, but four catches, sorry, three catches on four targets, 49 yards. Jerome Ford will talk about his 19-yard touchdown catch in just a moment. Two for 33 for him and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, two for 22, including a late screen pass that was 
pretty dang effective. And then Njoku, only four targets. He caught all four of them for 20 yards, which speaks to Watson's 27 of 33, some of the best um, completion numbers in his career, just very efficient with those completions. Uh, kept the offense moving in a forward direction, again, against a really good defense who got some guys in the back half of that secondary really healthy. So you like what you saw. You wanted Joku involved more going forward. I hope they can find a way to get that moving in the right direction. Uh, defensively, Miles Garrett, five total tackles, three and a half sacks. As dominant a game as you will see from him, he was unblockable. There's the hilarious video after he's had the three and a half sacks where he is like just switching sides in Tennessee, shifting their two tight ends to chip him. It's so funny. It draws a flag or at least a timeout. I can't remember exactly which happened, but he was so good. And there's just examples of how like Miles winning and traditionally quarterbacks get rid of the football, but now having Zadarius and having Ogoronquo and Tomlinson, where a quarterback would traditionally be able to step up and throw. There's especially that one that was so funny in the end zone. Um, the, the, the Tannehill just got out of the end zone. Zadarius Smith wins, forces the quarterback off the spot. Miles cleans it up. Like there's just there's so much more potential for him because the guys around him play in a manner which complements him so perfectly. So instead of him having all these pass rush wins where they don't result in anything more than a pressure because the quarterback's able to get rid of the ball so much more often this year, you're seeing him actually get home and make those game wrecking plays and. I'm encouraged for where it's going on the year. He's off to an unbelievable start. But that's not to say everybody else around him wasn't wasn't as dynamic, right? JOK, five tackles, phenomenal game. Alex Wright got a bump inside on a couple stand-up rushes, got himself a sack in this game. Ward had four tackles, a nice pass breakup on a dig. He played the sideline stuff really well. Martin Emerson, probably a couple, rep, uh, a couple reps he wants back, particularly that one that got over his head to... Hopkins uh, along the left sideline there and I think he had a DPI but I really didn't like that no call they they should have called uh, in my opinion Traylon Burks is pulling his head down and I didn't like the situation for him where he gets called for that because he's just kind of kind of trying to keep his balance upright because his head's being pulled down and that means he's grabbing the hips of Burks I, I it, nothing else it should have been a no call because both guys are jockeying for position there so that was one that went against him but overall Emerson continues to be fine and then you get Okoronkwo with a half sack and in his performance I thought that again Tomlinson doesn't show up enough in the stat sheet but what he's doing makes the defense so much more effective you really really like what you're getting from this Browns defense I mean listen to the stats from Tennessee 11 carries 20 yards 1.8 per carry for Derrick Henry four carries six yards a yard and a half per carry for Tajay Spears Tannehill 13 of 25 104 as we mentioned was sacked so many times, five times, that you take those off the passing yards to so the net passing 68 yards. Hopkins has seven targets, only three catches for 48. Chris Moore makes a great catch on Cam Mitchell, who was just, he was right in position after working off the rub route. He gets back underneath Moore and just does not get those hands up at the last second. Uh, but a shout out to Moore, who made a really great catch there. But that's really the only explosive. The only hope the Titans had was to fade ball up the sideline because the Browns were dominating up front in such a fashion that it's just Tannehill had to hit the third step of the drop and just hope and pray that he could put something up the sideline for a freakish catch or a penalty. And that's just, that's a frustrating way to play offense. The Steelers made some of the Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, Trubisky years work doing that at times, but that is not a fun way to play offense. Um, Chigokonkwo, their tight end, who I like, was not very good in this game. Three for seven, uh, not productive at all. Traylon Burks, one catch, five yards. And then Tajay Spears has had four catches for only three yards. So, 
You know, the Browns ran 25 more plays that allowed some tackles to happen. Uh, there were a couple sacks. I think the Browns ended up giving up three sacks to Nico Autry, Aziz Alshair, and then uh, McCreary also had a sack as a DB blitzer in there as well. And then in this one too, like I said, there was the Tannehill fumble that they could have recovered, but otherwise a uh, pretty clean from a turnover perspective for Tennessee, but they just couldn't do anything. And they, when you can't do anything, it kind of eliminates uh, the time lapse for making poor decisions as a quarterback, so on and so forth. It's Again, it's what happened to Burrow in week one. It's it's kind of wild. So this defense is off to, guys, a historic start. They're playing really well. Now Baltimore will present a unique challenge when they come in next week, but this is the this is the pinnacle of what we thought they could be based on the talent that they have brought in, and that makes it extremely fun because Schwartz has, as you know, Schwartz has harnessed this thing into such a fine, detailed machine, man, that, that, that right now it's really going strong. There are going to be hiccups. It is not going to always be perfect. You are going to see some games where the offense has to win it for the defense. But right now, three-game sample size, this is everything you could have asked for your Cleveland Browns when they made that defensive coordinator change. And boy, the players are really responding. Before we shift over to the Twitch recap show, I do want to talk about the touchdown to um, uh, Jerome Ford. What happened is, you know, the Browns uh, have, you know, you watch Kevin Stefanski's offense for four years. Let me put it that way. You start to pick up on tendencies, what they like to do, certain situations. You just get a feel for it, right? When you watch it over and over again every year. They like to go empty, and the reason they like to go empty is to unfold coverage, right? You motion a running back out late. You see who follows him. If it's a DB, it's typically zone, just expanding it out. Right, keeping the inside linebackers in their inside zone drops, or if it's a linebacker who goes with the motion running back, that typically tells you it's man to man because you'd rather have a linebacker covering a running back instead of just everybody shifting out and then having a linebacker cover a wide receiver in the slot, so on and so forth. So the Browns like to put that that running back motion out wide to create space. They usually have them run three routes. They usually have them run a takeoff, a go to create vertical spacing, or a hitch to be a quick valve against zone coverage. Or they'll have them run what's called an under route. Some people call it a square in. It's usually five yards. Some teams teach it at four yards. But it's a very popular thing. Now, they have run other things, but these are traditionally the most popular things that they have run. Now, this is what they do. We saw a video earlier this week that the OBR zone Fred Greetham posted, which was Kareem Hunt split wide running a under route, but instead of running the full under route where you stay flat at five yards, he does a, a, a plants on the outside foot, drives shallow, and then he takes three steps and puts the inside foot down and then shoots back up vertical. It's called, some people call it an under and go, uh, you know, they'll, they'll label it whatever. It's popularly tagged with a, a slant and go called a sluggo, right? But this is an under route, which is a very, again, tendency-based route for the Browns. It was clear to me, I was like, I love that because teams like to jump those routes and... I just I just like that wrinkle being able to be something they do. So I saw that earlier in the week and referenced like I like that. I, I, let's see if they implement it. Well, they found the perfect opportunity, right? That same drive where uh, there was the screw up, uh, where Watson throws it backwards at second and twenty six. Which again, after that screw up, he played pretty well. I just want to you know mention that because that that is the popular viral clip. But after that moment that, that obviously hits all of the airwaves, he played pretty dang good football but they get a, a penalty uh, a second and 26 throw was the first of the dpis that amari cooper was able to draw they're down near the like i said the 19 yard line they're driving trying to go up it's 3-3 at this point still they go to motion forward out wide and i notice the linebacker goes with him that makes me think man right so i try to watch it i try to focus in on it i watch it ford runs it it's a beautiful route 
three-step boom stick, get vertical against Al Shair, the, the linebacker who's their, their Mike linebacker, their big dog at this point, kind of calling their defense. And he sets it up beautifully. Al Shair drives on the, on the under route to try to take that answer away. And when he drives on it, the, the, the foot gets put in the ground. It climbs vertical. He's nowhere near it. It's an easy touchdown. But I was like, that's interesting because when I rewatched it, the Titans were playing zone. And what this is meant to do is trick teams, right? If we send this backer outside, we typically are telling you we're playing man, but we're actually just going to keep that corner in and kind of play a more compressed version of quarters or cover three, whatever you want to run, and just kind of stick to our tendency. But we're going to tell that linebacker, Al Shair, just to cover that guy man-to-man, right? We're just going to kind of keep you out on an island, cover him. We think you can cover him. And we'll deal with everything else in a more condensed zone coverage. That's unique. That's different. But here's what the Browns did. They watched all of the empty stuff in the first two weeks. The The New Orleans Saints in week one didn't run much empty. But in week two, there were seven snaps of empty, and a couple of which from the Chargers came with a running back motioning out. And what you notice is that they showed you what they're going to do. They're going to send Al Shire out to cover him man-to-man, deal with it, and then we're going to play a compressed version of zone, right? So what they did uh, in that game, they sent, uh, I'm not sure who the running back was for the Chargers, sent him on a vertical route, and it was a non-factor. He was a runoff to create space somewhere else. But the Browns said, let's take advantage of that. If we can get that matchup one-on-one and we can take advantage of what they coach him up on, they say, hey, here's what the Browns, if they motion a running back out, here's Aziz, uh, here's what he runs, right? Uh, they're telling Al Shire, here's what he runs. Uh, they're typically either going to be a go, a hitch, or an under route. Okay, so he's going to prep for that. And he sees, okay, he drives off vertical uh, four steps, and then, oh, he's driving in. This is the under route. I'm going to jump this. If the quarterback throws it, I'm going to house party this thing. Oh, no. Last second, he puts that foot in the ground, climbs vertical, and then that's how a touchdown happens. So the Browns did a fantastic job of finding the right circumstance to run it from the 19-yard line. Uh, the perfect study of film from the week before, to make it uh, understandable for the quarterback, digestible. Hey, we get this motion out. We're going to get one-on-one, and we're going to have a real chance to throw this ball. Watson's eyes are in the right place. Ford ran a very patient route to create the separation, and that's how the game's biggest touchdown happens. That's right then and there. What makes it 10-3, they get another field goal to make it you know, 13-3 in the second half. They get a nice touchdown run, another three-yard forward run, and a Cooper 43-yard late miscommunication. Titans just completely blow the coverage uh, where Cooper gets that 43-yard touchdown. But this, in a tight game, which could still felt like it could swing either direction because Tennessee had just gotten a field goal off of that Elijah Moore fumble, this play, this drive, this moment – they needed it so bad. And I thought after the Watson backward pass, they did find a break where they got that DPI on the second and 26, but they just, they still felt like they were pressing so much. And when they got that touchdown, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I thought there was a weight lifted off them a little bit. Watson started to feel better about himself and everything started to click from there. If you want to read that article, it is a free read up at the OBR. You can you know go ahead and watch all the videos. You can watch what the Chargers did last week. You can watch examples of the Browns running that wide receiver or sorry, running back motion to empty the square and they've done before. I posted a couple examples including a 2020 touchdown from Kareem Hunt uh, on that exact route against the Commanders. And um, I, I think it was a right side throw. It, it, the video's there posted for you. I, I posted an example last year of them running that same square in against the Texans. Is just a great self-scout and a great 
a, you know, opponent scout to apply that all together. And I, I think that's the little nuances of football I like to explain to you guys because it's really, really fun when that all comes together. So check that out. I'm going to have more insights after consuming the tape. I'll come back to you with player analysis. Any other scheme wrinkles or anything like that I think is worth noting, especially from the defensive side, which really, really deserves a lot of our attention because they're doing some historic stuff early in the season here. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins' offense is the hot-button topic of the NFL, but I even heard you know Tyson Mays on The Athletic, like, can we get the Browns and Dolphins together to have a battle because these two teams are playing some historic football on their respective sides of the, of the football here. So I, I just – it's great. You should be – Really happy about that. Now, we all want to be 3-0. I understand that, but 2-1 and is pretty good going in against a Baltimore team that's beat up a little bit and a real chance for the Browns to jump out to a great start to their season. And you should, like I said, revel in the fact they played really good football today, handled business, and it was a game that was over like midway through the third quarter. How many times do you get that? I hope that becomes a regular thing where you're sort of decompressing the rest of the game and just enjoying it. And that 651 in the fourth quarter touchdown to sort of make it a 27-3 instead of 23 game, that was great. And the Kevin Stefanski jump into into Watson, their high five, and those guys need to have some fun, man. They really need to have some fun. So it was encouraging to see that stuff overall and uh listen i hope you enjoyed the game i know i did there's some thoughts here in the post game show on twitch that i dive into as well so um you know andrew and brad have their thoughts too and then stick around for fit check at the end i think i think my wife wants to make it a real thing and i i think she enjoys it and i enjoy spending time with her talking about this stuff so uh stick around if you if you would like uh and and give us some feedback always appreciate that too guys thanks for sticking around for my opening monologue we're gonna hear a quick word from our sponsors and then we're getting over to the obr twitch show right after that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. 
All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome in, everybody, to a Sunday night uh, recap for the Browns' Week 3 victory over the Tennessee Titans, 27-3. My name is Andrew Spade. I'm joined by uh, Brad Ward and Jake Burns for a, we're going to talk for about an hour about uh, what we saw today, what we thought about today. Uh, I can see from the comments, there's already a lot of excitement uh, in the, in the room We're we're all very excited that the Browns won this game, bounced back after uh, what was a really difficult Monday night loss. Uh, so a short week came back and won against a team that, you know, the Titans maybe aren't the best team in the, in the league, but, uh, certainly, we know from previous experience that if if you don't come ready to play against Tennessee, they can get your number. So, uh, a win that the Browns needed to have, and they got it uh, to go to two and one on the season. The Ravens, of course, meanwhile lost uh, in overtime to the Colts uh, at home, which is a, a, a bad loss for them against a Gardner Minshew led team. So that puts the Browns into, as of now, a two way tie atop the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see what happens with Pittsburgh tonight out in Las Vegas. Uh, but let's welcome in uh, my uh, co-host, my guests, my uh, fellow analysts that will dig into this game. I'll send it over to Brad Ward first for just the feeling, because I, I think that there's, I'll say this to start things off and to kind of set the tone. It feels like a huge relief, as I said before, because of what was on the table. Going to one and two after how bad Monday night was would have felt really rough. The Browns won. They won in emphatic fashion. The best game Deshaun Watson's probably had as a Cleveland Brown. So, Brad, sum up for me how you're feeling on a, a level of excitement for this season. Are you completely back on board? Or are you still a little bit reserved from where we were week one? How's it all shake out for you? Uh, well, it's a complex question. Uh, yeah, listen, hard I'm I'm uh, I'm fired up, man. I, it's a great <laughs> win. It's a great win for this team, uh, and this defense continues to be. Um, incredibly impressive like incredible i mean like shockingly impressive like they are uh exceeding all expectations so far uh and they are just so much fun to watch so that is something that you can really get behind and then if you want to look at the offense uh do i think the offense as a whole was like stellar no but we got the best performance from watson the kind of performance from watson that we've been asking for numbers wise especially it felt like he gained some momentum throughout the game uh kind of leading into some better throws and he was much more accurate on time uh it felt like he got into a bit of a rhythm which is kind of what we've been waiting for uh and and put up one of those games we've been asking for and so i don't want to move the goalposts on him or anything like that right. i you know i've been accused of that a little bit here uh in my reaction because I, I don't think he was amazing or anything like that, Like, but I think he was very solid, and mm-hmm. it's a great step in the right direction for this offense to see that. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's a, great, it's a good win. This Titans team will beat 
some good teams this year. They're mm-hmm. going to be yep. um, just because of their well-coached and their defense mm-hmm. and everything. And, and the Browns really just dominated, yeah, nominated them. And uh, that, that was, I mean, six days ago earlier this week, I mean, it was doom and gloom and here we are now. So uh, things change quickly, right. In, in the NFL. So uh, a wild week for the Browns, but at the end of it uh, all, kind of right back where we started where i'm pretty optimistic uh jake i'll send it over to you for the basically the same question i mean you and i talked a few times you know over the course of the week about what it felt like and and where it felt like things could be headed and i i think i don't you know i i I stand by a lot of a lot of those conversations but i also think in you know having seen this today it, it definitely feels like the team is maybe on more solid footing than it felt like they could have been uh coming into this week you're muted. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, you get some stuff that I thought, listen, I thought it was largely outside of the opening script, which was pretty audacious. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't, it felt like the, by the third reverse, I was like, this is getting a little circusy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I get it. Kevin is like trying to, what do we talk about the defense a lot, right? Like they're having fun. They're having mm-hmm. fun. I think Kevin's trying to make the offense have some fun and get them excited about things. And I know that is sometimes not going to work and you're going to laugh at it or you're going to get grumpy about it, which I get, but he's trying to create big plays and you create big plays. You have fun. That's the root of offensive football, big plays. That's what you love. So, uh, you know, they didn't work all too well, but it got them down the field for three points which is what they needed to do was to get points on the board early. We thought points were going to be at a premium in this game. Obviously Tennessee scored three points and what they were at a Mm. premium. So um, uh, otherwise I thought it felt really similar, Andrew. And I I know we texted about it a little bit uh, in terms of their, some of their splits and some of the stuff that they, they, they traditionally do the getting under center. They did some wide zone. They did some toss sweep and pull stuff. Um, I still want them to be in the gun more because if you watch today, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm going to try to gather them from true media while we're on the show here. His best EPA work came from the gun today. It, was, it wasn't it was even close. If you take mm-hmm. out that last, I think Tennessee was just disinterested. The game was over. It was 20-3, yeah. to three and they just, two guys, the safety and corner, just staring at each other like, who's going to cover him running right between us? It was as bad a coverage bust as you'll see. Mm-hmm. That, that was not indicative of the under center play action game today. I thought Tennessee defended that stuff well, and I think for the most part this year, that stuff has been defended really well. So uh, I, I don't love the volume of that still, especially when, like, the NFL, we've been talking about this for a little bit. Yep. The NFL has been just sort of getting better at it over the years. Yep. And they're to the point now where they're everybody on the defensive side of the football, for the most part, there's some anemic defenses out there, but pretty much every defense is understanding how to paint the coverage uh, to those backside boot concepts. So I don't want to see them keep running those as frequently, but mm-hmm. uh, otherwise I think Amari Cooper was the difference in the game. I mean, he was unbelievable. He made tough catch after tough catch. He had mm-hmm. a, a ball down the left sideline. We all know, should have sprung for 40 more yards. He had seven catches on eight targets for 116 yards in the touchdown. And Deshaun deserves credit. He was better after that mind-boggling throw backwards where I'm yep. like, man, buddy, you are not – you're trying to recapture the hero ball stuff with some stuff. Like, just play within structure. Play mm-hmm. – like, just take downs. Like, he's trying to get that – some of what made Deshaun Watson so spectacular in Houston is his ability to – make something out of nothing and he wants to do that all the time but you can't force that stuff so after that play and even though leading up to that play he was something like seven of eight he was fine 
I thought stuff started to really click for him. He started to play better. He put some balls in the right spot. I thought his, his progressions were stronger and he ended up putting together a pretty good game, but that's not to yep. take away from him. What I'm saying about Cooper is he was unbelievable yes. in this one. Yeah. He had seven catches on eight targets, 116 touchdowns, but he drew four first down penalties, which mm. is so ridiculous. And I believe three of which came on third downs. He mm-hmm. had two DPIs drawn and two holding fouls drawn on the defense, which are five yards and an automatic first. So like, those are game altering plays because they create either downfield intercept or downfield um, DPI driven yardage, uh, which the, if you if you know, the first one came on a second and 26 is actually ironically, Andrew, right after the ball, he threw backwards. It was second right. and 26. Yep. He chucked that thing down the field and he got called. So I just thought Cooper was that's probably the best game I've seen from a Browns receiver in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe maybe dating back to Josh Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought he was dominant. He caught balls in traffic. And love that performance from him. And I thought they did a great job um, scheming some things up later in the game, too. I wrote about it, and, and we can dive into that in just a little bit. But there's some yeah. good stuff here all around. I still would like them to get better at some of the funky RPO gun stuff that I think they can be good at. Um, and, and, again, we're talking about that same play. He threw it backward. That was an RPO they were trying to create, um, and, and they missed a block. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot to peel back on the offense here. but. Um, and we'll get to the defense because whoa, Nelly. I mean, they are. Yeah. Well, that's where uh, I want to go. Special. Yeah. Go that's ahead. That's where go I want to go next because you know yep. I think I'll just make a policy right here. We got an hour of of showtime. If if anybody in the comments wants to put, I mean, it should be it should be truthful. It should be a real stat. But if anybody has a an outlandish defense stat that I can I can put on screen, Philly's got a great one here. Eight of forty one on third down so far for the defense <laughs> this year, which is I mean all, a, a lot of the numbers the defense is putting up are kind of mind bending in that they, yeah, Ian's got the, the, the graphic for the, for today's performance. It's been three games now. And I think what I want to talk about here is I, I think we, we thought week one, okay, Joe Burrow's maybe still hurt. The weather is, is rough. Um, you know, how much do we take away from that week two? They're dominant again. It's a little bit hidden by the two uh, touchdowns. The offense uh, creates for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, defense. Um, and it's, you know, it's Kenny Pickett, it's Matt Canada. They're kind of going through their whole thing there in Pittsburgh. Now I know that Tennessee is also kind of in that same group of offenses, right? They are a, they're a bottom half of the, of the league offense. They have a a really rough offensive line. Obviously Miles Garrett took advantage of that all day long. Having said that you cannot ask an NFL team to be much more dominant than what the Browns have been every week so far. And that you know the, you, the, these games don't get played on a curve like we saw what the Cowboys just did uh in in allowing uh, you know a lot of rushing yards to the Arizona Cardinals on the way to a loss right so we know it's the NFL every week is a, is a new challenge and it's very rare to see a, a unit on one side of the ball pitching almost shutouts I mean this game that that was an Elijah Moore fumble that set up their field goal they went back nine yards and kicked a field goal so other than that, this is a this is a shutout by the Browns defense against a team that, despite its struggles, has you know a, a decent veteran NFL quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry. These are real players on the football field, and it's like they you know they they look like a JV squad against the Browns defense. So I, I just I think Brad, it's it's to the point now where we have to believe and expect really week to week that we're going to see something like this from the Browns defense, right? 
yeah, I mean, it's hard to expect it, right? Like, it's so dominant that it's hard to expect it, but you expect something similar, right? Like, the thing that, that's mind-boggling to me is, like, it's not just, like, so they're getting pressure, yep, and they're stopping the run, and every single, like, every single pass is being challenged. Like, there's, ne- like, never beyond last week when uh, uh, Pickens got free a couple times, you know, on some coverage stuff. Beyond that, like, really, week one today, there's always somebody there challenging every single pass. And just you go around and watch, like, the red zone. And generally, because of the amount of zone being played in the NFL, you just are going to get guys that get open uh, in the flow of any offense in the league. And it's just not happening for teams against the Browns. They are that good on the back end corner wise, which I really think emphasizes like how good they can be all around. Like uh, today uh, I thought Martin Emerson uh, did an incredible job along with Ward on Hopkins who they tried to, I mean, that was pretty much their only offense at that point, but, it was working a little bit, right? Like he was, he's mm-hmm. a handful regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's like, no matter what an offense brings to the table and granted you, you guys have pointed out that, you know, we haven't played great offenses yet. So we will be challenged more than this, but uh, certainly, but mm-hmm. so far they have an answer for everything. And right. um, it's incredible to watch, right? Uh, yeah. Everybody is kind of thriving, um the secondary is so much fun to watch and along obviously miles garrett was unbelievable today but yeah you've got mo hurst contributing you've got um you know i still don't know what elliot's doing out there but either way uh he's (laughs) out there there's gotta be some there's gotta and he's been he's been better playing fewer snaps so you know Uh, yeah yeah relative improvement um jake you know before today I, i think they'll take a little bit of a hit uh, with with their performance against the Colts, but uh, before today, uh, the Ravens were a top fo- a top ten uh, offense by DVOA uh, over their first two games, and I think uh, were very impressive last week against the Bengals, certainly. So I think next week, certainly the sternest test of the early season so far for this defense. Right? Can't hear you, buddy. Someone must have muted me because I didn't mute me. Um, I was looking at something peculiar, which is the Browns have allowed five plays, six plays inside their 30 yard line in three games. Yeah. That's, that's, um, yeah, these are, that's, these are um, unbelievable. These are six cartoons. plays inside your 30 yard line is, yeah. is wild. Three and, games. Yeah. and they, and they've, um, you know, directly result given up. So I don't remember exactly how Cincinnati got, um, you know, how, how did they get on the board? I can't remember. They kicked three. I don't know if that came off a turnover or not, but as far as giving up points, yeah, I think they've only given up the one touchdown as a means of something that didn't come off of a turnover because that's I right. think Cincinnati kicked a field goal off the Watson interception. Mm-hmm. If I recall, I believe that's correct. This is a, yeah, it's actually bananas. The 26 points is such a cruel injustice to the three game stretch here. Yep. Uh, it's, it's laughable. So yeah, they have played lights out football. They are, you know, what Jim Schwartz talks about is he wants his interior guys to be penetrators because what he wants the running back to feel like is that he has to run through a maze mm-hmm. to get any yardage. And they're doing that in such a unique way. The penetration is causing, like, you could see Derrick Henry on the sidelines. Like, I'm talking eyes wide open. Like, this mm-hmm. is not working. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just – 
I'm, uh, it's the first time I think that we can all sit here and say that they have a team or teams they're playing schemed up really yep. well. They have a front that is vicious in both phases. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take away Najee Harris's cutback fluky run where Zadarius has him cut off on the front side last week, I think that was another 30-yard rushing performance. It is, um, it is really, after what we sat through last year and had to talk about and had to break down, it yep. is a really welcome change to have this opportunity to, uh, and again, that's not all Joe Wood's fault. That is, that is largely, we have discussed some personnel issues. Linebackers mm-hmm. were hurt. The defensive mm-hmm. tackles weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jadevian Clowney was doing Jadevian Clowney's thing. So like there yep. is uh, some answer beyond Joe Woods, but it is, in, in my opinion, Schwartz has done a really nice job motivating and getting these guys to believe in what they're doing. And I really don't think they're doing anything overly complicated. I just think they're playing fast. And again, I think these guys are another year matured. So many of them are young. If you look at the only big play allowed in this game, it was on Cameron Mitchell. Yep. Um, and it was a great coverage play. He was mm-hmm. right there, just needed to break it up. And the other, um, you know, I think there was a defensive pass interference on Emerson on a, yeah. on like, I thought Traylon Burks was like grabbing his head and pulling yeah. him down. And that's why he was holding on because his head was being pulled down. So, I mean, Emerson had the one ball to, to Hopkins up the sideline that, that got caught, but I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins and sideline yeah. stuff. It's mm-hmm. freaky. So um, there is not a player defensively that I have an issue with. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraged by how they're using them. If you have not seen, I just retweeted it, the video of Miles running back and forth and having <laughs> oh my Titans two tight ends just chase yeah. him. It's, it's the funniest thing I've seen all day. It's funny as I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So, And it resulted um, in a delay of game, right? It did. It was. Yeah. I don't know if they called a timeout or they ended up taking the delay. It was hilarious. Yeah. They're inside the head of people trying to block them. Mm-hmm. Um, they dominated Pittsburgh. And you'll, you'll see the people from Pittsburgh be like, well, you know, TJ, what, what, do this? it's like, yeah. hey, man you don't know how fast Kenny Pickett was trying to get rid of the football all night. Like mm-hmm. they were, and it altered them to the point of an embarrassing offensive output. So um, they're good, man. They're really good. Yeah. We're going to write it up at the OBR to try to tell you why they're really good, but the performances are strong. The usages, uh, the way they're using these guys is really strong. And, and, and again, above all else, these are players matured into the NFL. Now they're not first and second year guys, they're third, fourth, fifth year guys. And they're playing well, really, mm-hmm. really well. Even the ball, again, I think it was Burks on that deep dig from um, against Ward. He did such a great job of ripping the catch pocket at the last second to break that one up. And teams mm-hmm. aren't throwing the football over the middle of the field. You know, like they're, they're completely erasing that outside of the Pickens catch. And, and it's like, God, it's fun. It's fun. And, and you made the point, too, of like, if they were playing this way last year, you know, what would their record be? It'd, it'd be yeah. far superior, but like um, if they can ride this group, uh, if this group stays healthy mm-hmm. and the offense just gets better, we saw yeah. really good steps in the right direction today. You see why we have a lot of confidence that this group should be pretty good, right? Like, it's well, that's not what I want to. Yeah, that's what I want to drill down on. That's, I mean, you you do you have confidence that this is re- replicable week in week out for for the foreseeable future, regardless. I mean, because it's the Ravens next week at home, and then it's the bye week, and then it's the 49ers. So the next two offenses, yeah, are, are going to be two of the better offenses in the league, and you, you feel like this defense is going to be just as good against those guys. You you know as well as I do, Andrew, they're going to face better scheme and talent. 
uh, mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the season, right? They're going to still have some teams they play on the schedule, like that are just not going to be very good, but they're going to get schemed. There are going to be moments where they struggle. It's not, I think they're going to be a top five defense. If they're okay. outside the top five, I will be disappointed. That doesn't mean top five defenses don't have games where teams find ways to put 14, 17, 21 on the board. And I know you're Mm -hmm. not saying that, but like I wouldn't be, you know, keeping the 49ers under 20 at or under 20 points is a win, right? Keeping Lamar boxed in to 20 points is a win. You got to expect your offense can score three touchdowns, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, or a couple touchdowns and three field goals. And and that's the hope here is that they can play that way. Um, I have confidence that they're really, really good. Um, if things go health wise and, um, you know, looking at the schedule health wise, the way we think that they, you know, it should cross your fingers, should and could, yep. they should be peak top five defense inside the top three. But I don't see a group that's any worse than top 10. There's just, there's mm-hmm. too much talent and they're too comfortable in what they're doing. Yeah. So, the confidence, right. Is the, is yeah. the thing that they feel, they feel, uh, I mean, it goes back to what you said about Miles Garrett messing with the the protection uh, on that one play. They feel like they are in command. They are. It, it's you know it is it is a true polar opposite of the Joe Woods experience because the Joe Woods experience. And I'll, I've said this a thousand times. Maybe this will be the last time I say it. Uh, was reactive, right? So the offense would do what the offense wanted, and then the defense would try and stop them once they figured out what the offense wanted to do. Th- this defense's proposition essentially is. We are going to hit you in the face as hard as we can, and we dare you to stop us. That is um, that is the entirety of their proposition. Well, I want—I don't know if we shared this. Maybe you guys did. Have you seen the fewest total yards through three games? Did anyone share that yet? Yeah, I, I threw that up, but you can throw it up again. Yeah. Let's talk about it. No, we don't have it. to throw it up. I'll just say the 99 bucks, the 70 Lions are the only two teams who have allowed yeah. less yardage through three games. I mean, that yeah, is they're, they're on. I bananas. mean, you talk about them finishing top five over the course of the season. That it, it, that would be them taking at times during the season, as you said, they would face higher competition. They would take some steps back. As of now, through three games, they're on record-setting pace. And with what happened to Dallas today in Arizona, the Browns, through three games, I'm sure statistically have the best defense in the NFL by a wide margin. So, Brad, uh, I want to I want to go to you for for kind of your thoughts on on what Jake and I are talking about here and. Is that a confidence you share that this is a top five unit going forward? Because if it is, I just you know I want you to address this part too. If it is a top five unit, then that you know the floor for this team is so high. If they're routinely going to be holding teams under twenty points, yeah, I think that it is. I don't think there's any question about that. I think that like when you guys were talking about the Ravens and the Niners, I don't fear. I feel like this defense is much better equipped to face the Ravens mm-hmm. um, the way they are right now. Cause they kind of are, they looked good last week, but they're somewhat disjointed and figuring out this offense. And they have the Browns have a ton of speed on defense, right. Uh, than the 49ers, the 49ers, mm-hmm. I think will be the ultimate test. Um, but you know, the Browns will be coming off a of bye week and, and hopefully healthy and all that good stuff. Right. So right. Uh, that would be the real test. I, I mean, the Ravens are going to be a test too. Don't get me wrong. I just think that they're better equipped to face them uh, now. Or I'm glad we're yeah. facing them earlier in the season mm-hmm. uh, here. Obviously, we'll play them again, but right. Um, it's well, uh, that'll be these two games will be a telling as far yeah. as like uh, you know a real litmus test of what they are because these three offenses are kind of bad, right? The first mm-hmm. in the rain, the Bengals are bad, but. Um, I don't think the level of domination speaks to like 
they look like the best defense in the league. And a lot of people are saying that right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even if there's a little bit of a fall off against some of the talent, you're still going to be top five and you still can rely on them. I think to get you off the field in big spots. Uh, I don't think that's going to change. Right. Yeah. Um, I just think there's too much talent out there and they're playing like just so together. I mean, Jim Schwartz is laughing out there today at stuff. I mean, it, it was just ridiculous to, to watch. Like, I don't even know what he was laughing at, but just laughing hysterically on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. Uh, Miles dominant. Uh, so it's definitely a top five defense and uh, they will be tested for sure. But um surprising uh what'd you guys think of uh so you got a little cam mitchell action today he got mm-hmm. smoked once what'd you guys think of cam mitchell today i don't know good he did pretty well for the most part yeah i mean he was sort of targeted there one time that was bluntly yeah. obvious but yeah he was he's fine i always like to make sure i rewatch some of that stuff to say definitive things i, I thought on first watch he was i mean i thought there's a couple times where I would have preferred to have Greg, right? I mean, because Greg can play. Um, mm-hmm. But Cam was not a far drop-off. So being able to have these two Northwestern fellows handle the inside, getting him yeah. game experience in a, in a comfortable blowout-type environment was what it turned into. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by, by the young man. So, yeah, I need, to, I need to re-watch it and watch closely. But he was around the football. You know, on that play, there was a rub route i don't know if you guys watched the replay of that ball i can't remember the receiver it went to it's not a very well-known guy for them um but they ran hopkins ran from he, he they, they did a little exchange uh at about five yards and then put him up on a wheels like a post wheel concept and that rub got uh mitchell to be off track for a second but he recovered and was right there and just had to make the play so um but again i don't have anything truly negative to say but it's hard to pick on any of these guys on defense or stop jumping offside that would help a little bit that was the <laughs> thing that they did uh they did hard, like they're they're trying to eat so bad right like, we, and they haven't they haven't been in this situation this is something else to remember you know first energy stadium rocking loud you're the dominant force they've had some moments of this but this is new right like really new and they're they're gassed up, man. Like they want to chase. They're in literal chase stat mode that game. I mean, like that's what yeah. you are when it's twenty to three, and there's there's a couple minutes left in the third quarter. Like, oh, I get, you know, seventeen, eighteen minutes here to just rush the quarterback, and and this yeah. is how I chase my stats. Like that's what defensive linemen love. I always enjoy the exchange. I'm sure you guys saw it too, where Zadarius just missed Ryan Tannehill and Miles mm. ended up cleaning up that sack. It was almost a safety. And like the look of exasperation on, on Zadarius's face before he loves up Miles. They want those sacks, man. That's like it's like a dog chasing a bone, man. They want, they want the, that's what you're you're you, you know, you get judged on sack. Although we've tried to be a smarter footballs uh, people with the pressures and all that stuff. But the sacks <laughs> are more after, and it's just like those are not moments that they've had. So I, you know, I'm 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 kind of halfway joking about the offside stuff. It's the only thing, like, I can't pinpoint anything else. They just yeah. were yeah. so, they were lights out, man. Tackling was, I got to give them credit because there have been times where I know we have all watched them tackle poorly over the last mm-hmm. three years and in space. And they're just, they're so downhill aggressive right now. I think someone's going to go into a game plan, probably Baltimore um, or yep. definitely San Francisco, because that's what Kyle does. I mean, Kyle's the ultimate scheme guy. So, you want to see the test of all tests is like what the 49ers do to challenge what you're comfortable doing and make you uncomfortable. Yeah. That'll be here before we know it, but someone's going to challenge some of their 
line of scrimmage tendencies there, but mm -hmm. they've done a nice job of recovering when teams have tried to use that stuff. And that's all very encouraging, man. And like I said, you have to get used to, we were so down with the offense last week, as you know, Andrew, talking about it, talking about it, talking, because it's yeah. like, it's just it, the way the Browns go from great to uh, uh, elite is through an offense that's competent. You've, we, we tend to gloss over this defense. We do. We do. And, and they're so, they're so good, but it's like, they, it's not weird to say guys, they have first and second round picks and highly touted mm -hmm. free agents and trade targets all over this group. So it's like, oh, is this a fluke? Well, not really, because they have a bunch of talent. They should be doing this. So if they harness all of that talent that they have spent top premium dollars on, oh, well, yeah, they should be pretty good if they're coached up right, nowhere to be and do the stuff that they're supposed to do. And that's sort of what's playing out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that it really speaks to the it's just such a quick change from where they were. You couldn't count on this defense for uh, anything last year. And that uh, it, you know, you make a great point about the talent on the, on the roster. A lot of that talent was there last year and it yeah. didn't seem to matter. And so it, that, that change, that sort of overnight quick change from one of the most uh, unclutch defenses to the, one of the most clutch over the past, um, you know, year over the past off season is, is, is a big part of this. The one Look thing I want to touch on, Real quick, is, is, look look at the version of Denzel Ward that you had right, last year versus right. the version of Denzel Ward you're getting now, which is yep. like maybe the best corner in the league, or he, at least through three weeks he looks like. I mean, you can't complete a pass on him. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I think it's a great point. I, I think that the the aggression aggression that they're playing with suits their personnel so much better than their previous scheme that it's criminal that the previous defensive coordinator didn't adapt what he did more. Uh, the last thing I just want to say on the defense is I'm, I really want to see the turnovers come along more with as much pressure as they're getting, as much disruption as they're getting. You know, there was that uh, Miles where, you know, Tannehill had the empty hand coming forward. That should have been a fumble. Uh, Browns players need to be picking that ball up. I don't know how they're not doing that. I mean, Jake, you pointed out that Grant Delpit made a little bit of a business decision there not to go after that one. Derek uh, Henry's diving. It's hard to be like, Dive yeah, down yeah let me put my head in there. Yeah, totally. But, but they've lost the turnover battle in all three games and they're two and yeah, one. So that's th they point. need to improve the takeaway piece of this because that was something that we bemoaned for years and all of this other stuff is great. And, and I'm not saying anything wrong about it. You know, it's all, it's all really good, but you add that turnover piece and add some explosive plays. Think about what the Steelers did last week, right? The yeah. Browns defense outplayed the Steelers defense, except for the fact that the Steelers defense created 14 points. So yeah. The, the the Browns need to find a way to get the ball. I thought some of that was going to come when Thornhill came back. I'm still just not seeing that playmaking piece where they're kind of putting their head on the ball, you know, getting hands on on the, the ball in the pocket, those sorts of things. If that starts to come along, that's another way that this defense can not only, you know, in, in, in improve their performance, but also really help the offense out. So I want to I want to go back and talk to the offense, talk about the offense. And I want to I want to use a, a question from Jack McCurry uh, very generously, uh, donating uh, some funds to ask this question. Um, the run game, you know, it, you know it's going to be tough against Tennessee. They they have a bunch of ass kickers up front, and they make it really miserable to run the ball against them. That's kind of Mike Rabel's main thing. Historic uh, run I, defense, I believe. Yeah, seventeen stretch. That's right. Yeah, they they've yeah. been. I mean, Tier Tart is one of the most underappreciated players in the league. And then mm -hmm. obviously everybody knows Jeffrey Simmons' name at this point now. So uh, a lot, a lot of stout defenders up front. Um, but I do want to just kind of talk about the run game because it's our first look at the post Nick Chubb era, 
So, uh, Jake, just give me kind of your impressions uh, of what you saw out of Jerome Ford. We saw a little bit of Pierre Strong late. We saw some Kareem Hunt sprinkled in there. It, it does kind of look like it's going to be a little bit of a backfield by committee, huh? I don't hate it. I, to be honest, I actually kind of like that angle where you do some of that stuff where you got Pierre's a bit more of a burst type, right? I think Ford is a good blend of power speed and um, some nuance. And, and obviously Kareem is just, he's still himself. I mean, he's a bulldozer. He's time. a hammer. Yeah. He, he is like the ability to create three yards into six with some of the best of them. And mm -hmm. uh, there's a nice little blend there and you're getting experience for two guys here in Ford and uh, Pierre, that is that is going to be um, worthwhile down the line as you ease Nick back in next year. Because, again, we saw some really encouraging news that we all hope comes to fruition and there's um, some good stuff there. But, yeah, I, I like I like what they're able to do. Look, if you look at the stats like um, the Browns ran, I saw somebody ask Tennessee ran 45 plays, which is just <laughs> another laughable uh, defensive stat uh, for the Browns that to hold a team to 45 plays in the game. The Browns ran for 78 and. You look at the, the the cast of characters here, like six for 27 for Strong, Ford ran 10 for 18, Watson four for 16, Kareem Hunt five for 13. On the surface, not encouraging, right? right. But mm -hmm. I actually thought in the second half, they started to string together some run game efficiency mm -hmm. and hit some eight-yard runs on early downs and put themselves into some favorable situations. We all know that Tennessee, between Arden Key and, T and Tart and um, Danico Autry, like this is as formidable, this is like, to me, the, the, there could be someone out there that you guys want to correct me with, but as far as collective groups of talent up front, um, there are stronger individual units, but I'm talking collective. It's Tennessee, probably Washington is in that mm -hmm. group from a front perspective, and then uh, I could be forgetting some. Maybe the 49ers traditionally have been in there. They've been tough to run on, but like they're really good, and this, mm -hmm. this stuff about this historic rush uh, stretch here is not to, to be missed and obviously we know the Browns had to adjust so many things with last week's game in the middle of it to try to figure I mean Nick was at 10 for 65 right like yeah. he was at 10 for 65 when he left the game in the what second right. quarter so he was going to have a night they ran for nearly 200 in that game so all of that is really encouraging so today was going to be hard and um, to the root I forget like the specific of Jack's question I'm sorry but like what can they do? Yeah. Continue to be diverse. I, I think they have to continue to run from the gun. Um, inside zone needs to be a better part of what they do. Like I'm just watching teams. The Cardinals are just killing the Cowboys on inside zone. And the ironic, Bears, right? as, as bad as, ironic, the, as bad as the Bears are, uh, you know, they get what, beat 41-10. They were just, mm -hmm. just zone reading with with fields and, and chunk yardaging uh, Kansas City on it. So I just want them to do and get more comfortable with some of that north-south with an east-west ability instead of an east-west with a north-south ability, if that makes mm -hmm. sense to you. Like, I think they're trying to do some lateral things. Like, they're even putting more in the backfield a little bit. I, I, mm -hmm. I just – I get why Kevin's trying to do that, but the gun stuff is going to be better for me. Um, you can sprinkle – and when you're up in these games, it's 13-3, it's 20-3. It's yeah. I have no problem with it. But when you're in neutral situations, I need them to be – uh, it, it, look around the league. I think I want to cover this later in the week because Andrew, you and I have talked so much about some of this stuff. Look around the league at what yep. play action is actually working. Yep. It's not the under center stuff, man. Teams are getting really good at melting their coverage with their front uh, run fits. It's it's the shotgun stuff that is giving people a bit of a of an issue here. So mm -hmm. that's the stuff I would like to see them doing a little bit more of. But to get 80 yards, I don't have the Titans numbers in front of me. 
I would imagine 80 yards is probably in the top 20% of what they've allowed in the last 17 games. And it wasn't, I didn't think the run game was a net negative. I thought it was a neutral to a positive at times for them. Uh, and, and did as the game wore on into the second, third, and then eventually, you know, the little bit of the fourth quarter before the game was decided was a part of the successful offensive approach they had today, which they went for 263. Uh, I'm sorry, they went for um, 341. Um, and that's good. 341 yeah. is what you have to do against the Titans and, and be mm-hmm. uh, opportunistic, as we as we like to say. So yeah. all of that's strong. And, and I just I haven't really gone through the Titans uh, collective stats. They had 94 total yards today. So good weather yeah. day, too. So. Yeah, yeah, the weather was was perfect there by the stadium. Yeah, I think probably not a mistake that some of that uh, running stuff started to open up in the second half when the, mm-hmm. uh, the they had hit a few deep shots too, and so it, it made a few opportunities uh, apparent for the for the offense on the ground. As Jake, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, give me kind of your big takeaway from this game. One one thing that you're going to kind of kind of take with you that you think you've learned about this team from tonight. That life after Nick Chubb is possible, that they can find a way to to stomach forward with a different running back group, uh, put together some elements that I think are going to continue to change a reminder that they were on a short week. It's hard to change a ton of stuff on a short week. Um, it'll keep evolving and that the season isn't over. And if you listen to Kevin's postgame speech, he's everywhere. Nick is always around this team. Miles has him written on his you know, wrist tape, like guys mm-hmm. love, him. he's the unquestioned loved guy in this uh, organization and he's everywhere. He's present. They're giving him a game ball afterward, but there is life after Nick. They can still go to the places they want to go. If the defense continues to be a really strong defense and Watson up upwardly trends uh, the, the direction that we saw today and helps the offense collectively keep on keeping on because Ford is talented and we saw it in multiple ways today. Pierre strong will continue to get better. The more he gets acclimated to being here and what they're looking for from him. And um, obviously uh, Kareem is just a welcome addition in style. That mm-hmm. is a, that was a really wise thing to bring back. So um, I don't think that they're better without Nick. No, they're never better without him, but there yeah. is a life that they can still find success after him. And I think that's important to remember. Brad wrap us up. Hey, this is uh, six days ago. We were feeling really bad. This is one of the situations. You know, people always say two step forward, three step back, or whatever. This is the reverse, right? We went two <laughs> steps back, three steps forward, and uh, onward and upward from here. Because you can actually, ha- you actually have for the first time this year, and, and including the six games last year, a tangible effort from Watson that you can point to and mm-hmm. say, "This is this is what we need," right? And Although I think it can get even get better than that from him, you actually have that performance to uh, to put in the barn, so to speak. Uh, so uh, that's where we feel really good about this, and this defense is incredible and a lot of fun to watch, and it makes them really easy to root for. I think that's really well said. Yeah, I think the, the energy that the team is playing with is, especially at home, uh, is turning into a real factor. And I think, you know, we saw – Brad, as you alluded to, we saw how that can work against the Browns last Monday night when the 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 Steelers defense was feeding off of the energy from the crowd. But I think the same thing happened in reverse, and it benefited the Browns today that the Browns defense was feeding off of the crowd and inspired a really uh, impressive performance. That I, I think you know it's going to get start getting national attention at another level. How seriously this Browns defense is playing, and and as one of the top units in the NFL, uh, regardless of which side of the ball. So. Uh, thank you to everybody for showing up. We had a, a, a great time uh, recapping the game with you. The chat was awesome. Uh, a lot of great statistics being thrown around, a lot of great uh, jokes. As always, we appreciate your involvement. 
my thanks to Jake Burns, to Brad Ward, to Fred Greetham for joining us uh, to kind of, you know, give some perspective on this, this win. Browns win 27 to three. We will break it down all day tomorrow. There will be a, a, a slew of articles breaking down the Browns win from every different angle. And then uh, tomorrow night, uh, Jake will have his film review. Uh, we'll have shows throughout the week on the Browns, uh, the OBR uh, streaming network, I should say, on Twitch or on YouTube. So check those out. And then obviously we'll uh, lock back in for uh, Sunday football again next week against the uh, hated Baltimore Ravens. So uh, for always, go Browns. Thanks for joining us. All right. Along the long weekend, I think I was convinced in the car by my wife that this would be a good segment. It actually might be a pretty good segment for diversifying some of our listening base here. So we're going to do what's called a Monday fit check. And uh, my wife, Kelby, who's here with me, say, what's up, Kelb? What's up? We are going to go through the Browns players uh, fashion. We're going to we're going to make a little fun bit of this. They seem to post it every game, so we can have some fun with it. There's two places that you can follow along with what we're talking about, both the Instagram stories, which have some of this from the Browns. We're going to reference Greg Newsom, who has his only on his own specific Instagram, probably because he missed this game. But anyway, and then there's um, a specific post that has a lot of the players. We'll start with the post. So if you pull up the post, we have homecoming threads uh, as the lead off, and you have uh, listen, we got a lot of color here. We got JOK, uh, who's who's rocking the heritage for multiple weeks in a row here, and then we have Zadarius Smith. So Kelby's going to step in and give kind of a fit check. We're calling it Monday Fit Check, and she's giving a, a one out of ten grade on what she thinks of each player's uh, outfit here. So Kelb, uh, it looks like JOK is rocking more heritage based uh, stuff here. It's, it's it's quite the it's quite the look. Yeah, it's like a um, like a Kelly green, if you will, full on suit. And I always respect the heritage, so I feel like he's a ten out of ten, always. And then Zadarius, is that his name? That is Zadarius. Okay. I respect the color. It's a bright neon pink, very Barbie of him. Montclair shirt. Montclair. I don't know what that whatever means. Whatever that means, he's got the big old silver chain on. We're not hyper aware of of top end fashion, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're doing our yeah. best. Um, I would say his jeans are a little they're artistic. The they're sides very artistic. They're very creative. Somebody definitely handmade those for him. I'm going to give him an eight out of 10 Converse shoes there. Uh, no, God, no. Those are probably Prada. Okay. Well, that's clearly the line for me. I did Converse. It looks like Converse. Anyway, next is miles. He is, um, you know, listen, miles doesn't wear clothes. Clothes wear miles. This guy is a freak of nature, human being. Uh, he's got some. He, he, yeah, you cover it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's very fashionable here. Yeah, he's got like a light linen um, long sleeve button down. Of course, it's open though, and he's got a little tank top on it. That little chest is showing. Can't call those wife beaters anymore. Well, no, no, I don't know why you would even say that, but uh, it is like a tie dye effect almost. Um, just with and then with some nice slacks. He's a ten out of ten always. All right, a lot of tens early on here. Didn't expect so many. Next is walking Kareem. Anytime you wear a Nick Chubb throwback shirt here to honor your fallen friend, um, you know you you obviously get a ten out of ten yeah, for me. Yeah, that's a ten out of ten. All right, so um, keep going here. We have um, listen. Deshaun shows up in I think an Armani hat is what I believe that is, and then he has maybe an Armani shirt. Yeah, the whole fit is probably Armani, but it's not doing anything for me. The shirt's fine if he had some like 
trousers on, maybe. Those are Jinkos. Yeah, they're... That's the style, is what I'm saying. They're very baggy, baggy jeans. They're clearly a designer brand. And it looks like maybe they have, um, like, uh, records on them. Yeah. But it's not... It's not a vibe. I give him a 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. Tough score, but maybe he'll bounce back next week. He mm. played better than that. So, all right, next is, uh, looks like we have Juan Thornhill, who took some risks here. He has a very bright yellow hoodie on, paying homage to Muhammad Ali. And those Are those leather red yeah. pants? Yes, those are leather, maybe pleather. We love a vegan moment. He got paid, so those are probably expensive. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the sweatshirt's great. The red pants are not. The shoes are also great. It looks like there's maybe some studs on the toes of his shoes. Got some turquoise are, on the sides, right? Yeah, good turquoise. That's probably more teal, but good oh, job. There we go. Um, eh, six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right, now we're grading harder. I gave her, you know, the tens were flying too heavy. The Chief has taken two straight weeks of... Let's just put it this way. He's not afraid to take risks with his fashion. Talk me through this because to the to the naked eye here from my end, I'm like... That looks velvet, but it's not. Yeah, no, that's definitely... um, His pants are a black denim and distressed everywhere. The shirt, I'm willing to bet that that's also denim. Okay. Um, But maybe a little bit of snake print, too. Hmm. It's a zero out of ten for me. Whoa! We got our first zero. We've got tens and we got zeros. I'm not loving that look either. No. It's interesting. Uh, Next is Denzel, who's never afraid. Another guy who is uh, one of the prettier faces in the NFL. The teeth. Top ten NFL teeth. Top ten. Wearing an oversized sweater is... He's got a Cardi on. It's like another... It's like a grandma sweater. Yeah, but it's great. And I'm pretty sure... I'm sure it's some nice... Um, can you stop doing that? I'm trying to be able to see it. It's a video, guys. It's harder oh. to see. Um, it's oh. like a expensive brand, I'm sure, but it looks like it's spelling... There's an N and an E. I thought it spelled love, but the N is throwing me off. So yeah. if somebody knows what that is, you let us know. But he's just wearing, I think, skinny jeans with it. Random alphabet letters. Yeah. I don't know. Sesame it looks it looks Street. great. Looks great. It looks great. He's got some probably product chucks on too. So ten yeah. out of ten for Denzel. Always. Always. All right. This is a Elijah Moore is is rocking a lot of colors, a lot of prints in the in the uh, cardi or sweater, or whatever. That's like maybe more of a jacket. And then he has I think some Air Force Ones on, and then he's got some some white uh, you know designer pants on. It's a good look. Yeah, his um, top is definitely like a quilted uh, zip-up, long sleeve, looks great. And then the pants, I would say, are more of a cargo pant. Hmm. Um, I give him a 9 out of 10. That's a good look. It's sharp color contrast. You can tell how little I know compared to who I'm with here. Listen, somebody is wearing a... uh, Okay, DeAnthony Bell is rocking like a... I can't even describe. It's like a ski mask mask. with, I'm not sure the brand of just a, a cutoff. And he's got some like like mini mini pockets. Uh, you know, these are obviously designer pants. Little mini pockets on the outside of these things. Uh, yeah, what, what's your vibe on the, the great chain? Honestly, there. I don't know what they're called, but like he looks like she, he should be going to a corn concert. What do they call oh, their followers? Oh yeah, I don't know what. They're oh no called. no no, ICP. Insane clown posse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. juggalos. Yes. That's yeah. the vibe I'm getting. Okay, it's a it's a look. That's okay. a zero out of ten. For Definitely me. had to click on the um, tagged player to figure out who that one was. 
looks like Marquise Goodwin is rocking. I, I mean, this is the look for me. If you can pull this off, I mean, it's like a quilted sweater with no sleeves, really nice contrasting green color. See, I'm getting better. You it's are. it's it's a great look, man. I really like it. It's it's like uh, sort of relaxed, but fun. Yeah, it's definitely a '70s vibe. Oh yeah. Um, very uh, mid-century modern, if mm. you will. The only thing I wish he would have done is worn flared pants. Oh. And said he's got the cargo, and I just don't love all the pockets. Big what, front pockets. What's he those? putting in there? In the thigh pocket. You, put in a, you could probably put a cell phone, some keys. Yeah. It's an interesting pocket location. I like challenging traditional pocket locations. Yeah. Love yeah. the top, hate the pants, 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Uh, looks like a great shoulders on Anthony Walker. Just this, the inside sunglasses, the huge five chain necklace. Don't know what the shirt, the button down shirt is. It's a denim feel to it, right? Yeah. And then he's got some corduroy, uh, orange corduroy pants on, which are really sharp. Um, you know, this guy gets it. What What are you giving? That's got to be a high mark. That's yeah. just a feel. It, it I wish fits. I knew what the brand was of the top, but it is. It's like a denim jean all. Um, sewn in together and the pants are like phenomenal i want them for myself so he gets a 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 okay all right so now we have two guys left that actually we we have found uh, out there grant delpit is wearing a very relaxed like jersey with some leather black pants that don't seem to fit all too well uh, he's been unbelievable on the field this year, but I, I don't know about this look. He's got like a white long sleeve. Go ahead. Take take the wheel on this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. Um, it's very trendy right now. I think what's saving me is um, his hair, honestly. Braids are nice. Yeah, his braids look great. He might have some Fila shoes on and Fila? Fila? I don't know. Fila's right. Okay. Yeah. I just I can't vibe with that. I feel like that was something from our childhood that I never messed with. Mhm. Um it's a it's just too loose. It doesn't look like any of the the stuff fits. Yeah. But Baggy is very in right now, so he's very on trend. Baggy like sleeves past everything. your hands. Baggy everything. Okay, so he's trending. Yeah. That's at least nice. He All looks, right. He looks great. Last uh, one. Seven, oh yeah, what's your grade? 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. That's higher than I would have gone. All right, last one is Obani Okoronkwo Ogbo with a Listen, he's got like an all black vest. What? Yeah, give me your rundown of this one. A lot of black in that outfit. Um, so I was at the Jonas Brothers concert last Monday, and I'm pretty sure uh, Joe Jonas had the same outfit on mm. almost. So, it's, so he gets uh, an uptick here. Yeah, he gets an uptick because we love Joe. And the, it's a very deep V-neck. That's a capital V. Yes. And I like the all black, so I'm going to give him a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10, fair score. All right, this was our first Monday Fit Check. I th- this, this this segment has a lot of promise. I'm kind of trying to pull in some other listeners to the podcast, and I, I'm, I'm leaning into Kelby for uh, expert analysis and hopefully uh, something that you guys enjoy on your Mondays after your Cleveland Browns win. So, Kelp, thank you for coming down to the, the basement and recording a segment with me. First time ever. Woo! I've done these, like, 400 episodes, and now you uh, – you finally make an appearance, so hopefully we can keep doing this if the kids allow it. I've got value. You do. You do. You heard it here. She's got value. All right, guys. <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Have a great Monday, and enjoy your Cleveland Browns football victory. Like I said, uh, we'll be back throughout the week. All the stuff with Andrew moving forward, comprehensive breakdown, all that fun stuff. And uh, listen, it'll be a fun Browns victory recap Monday, and 
the week should be a good time to get ready for the Ravens. So have a great Monday. Rate and review the pod. Join the OBR. $1 for your first month. Thanks, guys. And go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.